Hey everyone, I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor this week, which is Vettery. So Vettery, if you haven't heard of them, it's an online hiring marketplace, and it's changing the way people hire and get hired. Luckily for you, they specialize in the tech space, so they have tons of jobs for software developers and data scientists and product managers and so on. Once you go live in the marketplace and list your profile, employers can easily view it and extend you interview requests via email. You can set preferences for things like your desired location, what your top skills are, how many years of experience you have in them, any other kind of professional background, and of course, the salary requirements. That way, you only receive interview requests for jobs that you're actually interested in. They partner with over 20,000 companies, ranging from innovative startups to big Fortune 500 companies all across the US, Canada, and the UK. Now, Vettery is free to join, and if you sign up at vettery.com slash does not compute, they'll give you a $300 bonus if you accept a job through them. That's crazy. That's vettery.com, V-E-T-T-E-R-Y.com slash does not compute, all one word, $300 bonus if you accept a job. That's great for you, and it helps support the show, so go check them out. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this week, we have a special guest with us, uh, our friend of the show, uh, Noah Labhart. Uh, so welcome to the show, Noah. Hey, glad to be here. Glad to, uh, to be hanging with you guys today. Yeah. So a quick about Noah is that you're currently the CTO of uh, Variable, which is a marketplace for on-demand labor for manufacturing and distribution. That sounds really intense. <laughs> uh, you also, uh, do you own or do you just work with TouchTap? So I, I started, I'm, I'm the founder and the owner of, of TouchTap currently. Cool. Yeah, so TouchTap is just a, a mobile dev consultancy doing all native uh, mobile work, which is pretty cool. Um, you also, you're really busy, you also do Code Story, uh, which is a podcast where you interview CTOs about their journey. And you actually had me on, and that was uh, pretty fun and intimidating. And it, I think it turned out really, really great, which I'm happy about. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And then and then also, you're a local advisor to a boot camp called Dev Mountain. Um and uh, so I, I'll have a lot of questions around this, but so it sounds like you're pretty busy these days. I am. Yeah, I, I, I like to stay. I like to stay moving. I like to do to do things. I like to create things. Um, I'm also a, a, a husband and a, a dad of three. Oh, so that that also keeps me keeps me busy, and uh, my my faith community also keeps me um, keeps me busy and connected as well. So those are those are all the big things in in my life, and I, I like to. I like to keep moving. You're one of those people who, when you hear the list of things they're doing, they're like, how do they have time to do anything? <laughs> that's what I, that's what I feel like. Sure. Sure. There's, there's, um, there's small pockets of time where, um, where there's nothing going on. And usually it's before the sun comes up and my kids wake up. <laughs> there you go. Do you have any sort of like, I have questions already, uh, about, about all this. So do you have any like sort of process that you follow? So like you meant, you already mentioned there's small pockets of time, uh, and that's sort of what I'm doing too. So I just naturally wake up really early. So I'll usually wake up pretty early and try to get maybe an hour of thinking, whether I'm reading a book, whether I'm taking notes, whether I'm thinking about what I need to do for design collective or the tasks on my plate. Uh, I sort of like take those times and try to make them really productive. Um, but aside from, from something like that, do you have any, like what, do you have any secrets? Do you have any, any processes that you live by, um, rules that you follow, or is it sort of just like take moments where you can get them? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And I don't know that I have a, 
a formula. Um, I wish I did because I, I, I would definitely it'd much be it'd be much easier to explain. Um, I, I, I think for me, what I try to do is there's a handful of things that I try to do. I try to stay focused and and commit to getting up early in the morning and starting my day by myself. You know, starting the day with quiet time. You know, in my faith, reading scriptures, um, doing you know um, what what I need to do to prep my mind for the day. You know, connecting with you know what I'm grateful for. Uh, connecting you know with what's important to me before the hustle and bustle of the day starts. So I try to very hard and not always succeed at this, but I try very hard to start the day centered in um, in my faith and in my family. Um, and then really from that point, everything else is, is just stuff. So, um, I, I try to, to, so that's the first part, staying centered, centered as soon as I start the day. And then I'm pretty diligent about, uh, declining meetings. I'm the guy that's going to maybe go to the first meeting or so, and then realize that I'm not really needed to make it happen. And then I'll want to set everyone else up for success and then bow out. So, um, creating that time by uh, rigorously knowing where I'm needed and where I'm not, uh, I think is, uh, has been really helpful, really helpful to create that time um, as well and, and create success. You know, I think, I think the other part, which I am not good at at all, and I, I regularly uh, drop the ball on this one, but something that, that is helpful um, along with getting up early, along with regularly saying no and, you know, knowing what's important, what is not, um, is getting sleep, <laughs> which probably is not normal for a, a, a tech guy. Um, but trying to, trying to let my body rest and, um, and then wake up the next day and be ready to roll. So I think, I think, you know, when those three things come to mind for me, if, if that's my process, I, I, I don't know if that's my process, but those are the things that are that I have seen most helpful in being able to juggle a lot of things. Yeah. So the two, like two of the things that you really, that you said that really kind of resonate with me is number one, sleep, because especially when I was younger in my twenties, I neglected it pretty hard. Um, I spent a lot of time on the road. So I was always just tired and sleep deprived. And I just sort of let my youth, I guess, carry me through that, which was not great. Sure. Um, and now, I mean, I'm 32 now and I can't really do that anymore. So, um, I go to bed early now. So I'm like in bed by like nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I don't do that, I'm just screwed for the next day. And then really the, the other thing was like starting the day standard. And I mean, that could be, like you said, it could be mean like spending time in your faith. It could be spending time meditating. Really. I think what it is, is sort of like reflecting on on yourself where you're at what you need to do and sort of like calming down and and sort of uh slowing the mind down i guess is is what helps me a lot and that's that's what i don't know i think that's one that's had one of the biggest impacts on me is like learning that so i'm a pretty calm person uh i don't get um worked up or anything like that um as rockwell can probably attest to sort of like a a a sloth (laughs) Uh, in in most aspects, I guess. And so I always thought that I didn't need to do that stuff because I didn't get worked up. I didn't get over, like super, like I'm not an emotional person, right? I, I'm not driven by emotions very much. Uh, but 
uh, I've been learning more recently that like, despite that fact, I still have to spend time, whether it's meditating, thinking, just like making sure I'm slowing down and sort of reflecting on things. Yeah. Super important. I think, I think I thought of another thing. Uh, if I can add that in, maybe it's a fourth thing. And I think it's a huge important part of the process too, is surrounding yourself with people that, that care about you, that will hold you accountable and, and um, encourage you at the same time. That's, that's super important. Call out the good in you, you know, make sure you're aware of the growth areas and, you know, ultimately, yeah, love you through yourself kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. My, my wife has certainly, has certainly done that for me. She has, she knows the worst of me, the very worst of me and still loves me and, um, still around. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, so, you know, that's, she's, she's a big, big, uh, a big reason why I can you know, get up in the morning and, and go do it. There's a really good quote from Paul uh, back before I joined the show that I, that really stuck with me and I really liked. And it was, I'm going to paraphrase, but he said something along the lines of like, if I have to make a decision about what I'm going to do uh, with my day or make a decision about a particular thing, it's like, does this thing make me a better person? Or, you know, does this make my life better? If it does, then I do that thing. Otherwise, you know, maybe I'll think about it. And I always thought that was a good heuristic for <laughs> you know <laughs> just like think about it long term like okay what's what's is this uh you know sort of small thing that i'm doing is this day is this week is this month like gonna lead towards you know something better oh totally i, I love that um i think that's super important and you know even in, in the little things like you know like checking in with yourself of like okay what what am i feeling right now why do i want to do this thing or why do i think this would be good um, because sometimes we can, you know, uh, I don't tell ourselves lies that something is good, um, but it's really destructive for your life, or it's really just to make yourself feel better in a in that moment. And um, yeah, I think that's super important. Check in with yourself and be like, hey, is this going to make my life better, or is this going to destroy something and ultimately go for the better? Okay, so imagine that that you're you're you had a good like a good morning you're feeling you're feeling centered you're feeling ready to go and you get through the work day and it's just a hectic work day like people are talking to you people are trying to have meetings you're shutting them down uh you're stiff arming people right left and right to out of your office uh, so like so for for me like it's it's easy for me to i don't want to say it's easy for me but but it's easier for me to like start the day centered uh and you know, because I just wake, I just had naturally wake up early. And then it's sort of like that, that mindfulness sort of fades away throughout the day. As I start getting messages, I start getting talked to, I start getting questions asked of me, um, more assignments put on my plate and all that stuff. So I guess how, how would you go about dealing, dealing with that? Like, do you have to, do you have to take moments throughout the day where you sort of remind yourself or, uh, again, I keep asking for I like I like rules. Okay, I like a good framework to follow. <laughs> that's why that's why I went first for for Rails over for some for Rails over something like Node. But but uh, uh, what do you, do you have any like helpful pointers for that? Because like I see your company, so we mentioned variable briefly, and I, I think I last time I asked you, it was like fifty ish people, right? Fifty around fifty people. Yeah, I think we're we're fifty seven this week. Okay, so I, we're seven people. And I'm already starting to try, kind of struggling with inbound communication and questions and people needing help. And and I think like part of my job as a CTO is 
not only like working on the platform and, and guiding the ship there, but also like helping the sales team set up a workflow that works for them and makes them productive, right? Uh, setting up a workflow for the marketing team, whether that's like, here's how you use Intercom, here's a tool you can use or whatever. And I feel like I get sort of burdened by a lot of that stuff. Do you try to like batch it? Do you try to say like, these are my open office hours or how do you deal with that stuff? It's a great, great question. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I try to do, but upfront be transparent that I'm, this is still a struggle for me. Um, you know, I, I think it, I, I divert back to, you know, where am I needed and where am I not, you know, and um, sort of being very vigilant in letting other people take ownership and grow themselves and not taking that away from them, if that makes sense. So, you know, if, if someone asks me for, if someone comes and asks me a question, you know, I'm going to try to take that, you know, if I have a quick answer, I'm either going to, hey, this is important. This is a priority. Just go do this real quick because this is the answer. And let's come follow back, uh, come follow back up with me after and let's talk through it. But if it's, if it's an opportunity, I can, I can coach that person and be like, okay, I know the answer to this. I know where we need to go, but I want to see if this person knows. So I'm, I'll sit and I'll coach them and be like, okay, well, talk, walk me through what you're thinking. Okay, why are you thinking that? Why are you going that direction? What's that going to result in? take a step back what uh, what's another direction you could go um so so those types of moments feel less um stressful to me if that makes sense or less um i i'm taking less ownership in that moment over the task and i'm taking more ownership in the end result for that person um so it sort of it sort of ties into the rigorous knowing where i'm needed and where i'm not you know, what's, what's an emergency and what is not. And, you know, tying, tying back into, okay, what's going to be best for this person long-term and for the company long-term for the company long-term, it's best for everybody to be self-sufficient and growing and, and pushing towards our, our goals. And if I'm the one providing answers all the time, then we're going to be stuck. That's not scalable. Right. So I try to, I try to get out of the way uh, as often as I can um, and then secondly, you know, I, I do try to find times where, you know, I, I shut my door and I either, you know, sit quietly or answer, you know, some, some email or to try to get some of the annoying things out of the way and just, you know, turn the voices off for a minute. Um, I do, uh, not the voices in my head, everybody else's voices, <laughs> uh, you know, or, or try to focus on you know, recentering or something like that. That's the part I don't do very well uh, is the kind of shutting everything down during the day. So that's, that's a struggle. I think that's a human, human struggle, but just try, I think it's a back to the rigorous where am I needed and where am I not and what's going to be best for the company long-term. Someone asked me a question or asked me for some architecture stuff. I'll go coach them. I'll go tell them what I see and what I think, but I ultimately I'm going to give them enough to where I know that they can go complete the task themselves. Sean and I love to talk about tools on the show. You know, we love to find cool new ways to do things uh, in dev and in our workflow. So, you know, for example, Sean has like got his whole company on board with Notion, right? And obviously everyone uses Slack. And <laughs> like, so is there any uh, any particular new cool new tools that have uh, you'd like to use or have kind of, kind of uh, I don't know, you're always looking for that silver bullet of like, this is going to make my life easier. I just was curious if there's anything cool or new you've found recently that uh, you really like. Sure. Um, you know, as far as like 
team stuff, I can't think of any tools that have jumped out. We're, we're using something like Notion for like an internal wiki. It's called Slab. And that's worked out pretty well, um, kind of for protocols, for how-tos, for sort of, um, uh, you know, knickknacks of things that we need to remember as a team. So that's been cool. I, I like Slab. Um, we use Slack pretty, pretty extensively from a, from a tech standpoint. Um, from a stack standpoint, we've been interested in sort of finding more interesting frameworks to integrate with our platform. So I'd say, you know, those aren't exactly tools uh, for the day-to-day, but, you know, sort of looking at, okay, well, if we're going to need Google Places or we're going to need Google Cloud services or whatever, you know, what are the competitors out there for that and how competitive are they technology-wise and price-wise? So we do, we're looking at a lot of that stuff. I still use a lot of uh, spreadsheets and PowerPoint decks, so that's <laughs> not uh, cool at all, but... Um, it's kind of a way that our company uh, works as far as, you know, all 57 of us kind of, kind of sit in PowerPoint and Excel a lot. I think that we'll probably get to a point where we need to go a different way from that. Uh, I am looking into for like roadmap uh, and task management, roadmap planning, kind of sort of project management, task management kind of thing. I'm looking into going away from my spreadsheet into something like AHA, or Rike, um, sort of like just roadmap planning, project management, task management, things like that, to be able to see the workflow um, and uh, the workload, I think more appropriately workload, on my team and how people are allocated. Uh, I've been doing that manually, uh, again, in spreadsheets and stuff, so that's, that's pretty time-consuming. So yeah, that's, those are the, the main ones that, that I look at on a day-to-day basis. Uh, you know, I... I use the normal tools, I think, as everybody everybody else, you know, text editors, Sublime, uh, Visual, Studio Code. You know, if I need to get in some code, I use I use Xcode. I'm kind of I'm more of a mobile focused guy. Um, so I'm in Xcode a lot or Android Studio. Podcasting is is pretty much all in Logic uh, or Pro Tools and Dropbox. So nothing super cool or new there, though. I'm kind of I, I'm kind of disappointed in my answers. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's totally fine. You know, you never know. This is how we find out about this stuff. Is mostly by word of mouth. So, I figured it was definitely worth asking. For sure, for sure. I am definitely I'm, I'm always looking at um, you know product hunt or beta list or any of those kind of new product um, you know startup type websites to see what's new and what's coming out there. Indie hackers. Um, I think Cortland Allen has done an amazing job, Indie Hackers. And I, I think all that, I, I find a lot of cool tools. I don't always get a chance to use them here at Variable. I might use them personally um, for, for things here or there. But yeah, that's that's my answer. <laughs> I think like there's something to be said for, uh, you said you like yeah, there's nothing new or cool or noteworthy or whatever, but I think there's something to be said for me, you're making it work with PowerPoint and spreadsheets, right? Uh, I mean, that's biz- that's business. Uh, so for sure. I don't know, like I, for me, it's like I, 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 we're using Notion, but I still get people that send me like Google Drive docs like, oh, I had some thoughts. I wrote it up over here. I'm like, well, you, you know, we have a Notion for this, but okay. Uh, I still get stuff like that. So, you know, I think like 
partly that says that this person is comfortable using this other thing, but also partly it says that the tool that we're using, i.e. Notion, isn't better enough to pull this person over to, to the new system. Right, totally. I mean, you're bringing up an interesting point, and it's something we've worked on from the beginning at Variable. Process is hard, and process adoption is hard. Um, so we've always started with unconstrained models. And, and for us, internally, like with processes, unconstrained models was you know, Word docs and PowerPoints and Excels, uh, spreadsheets. So, you know, it, it started out that way. And then, you know, as we have grown and as we've needed, or not even as we've needed, but as we've defined what a successful process looks like, then we'll look for a tool that fits kind of what we're trying to do and what is working for us. And then we'll use that tool. So I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the stuff that that is that's still in PowerPoint, it's still in um, Excel, things like that are, are still the things that we're trying to figure out what is best for the company and what is everybody on board doing or what do we feel comfortable enforcing, um, you know, kind of having a maximum enforcing or push down enforcing of, hey, this is how we're going to do this and this is where this information is going to live. You know, we start unconstrained until we figure out what that process is first and then, and then try to go find a tool. Yeah, it's I, I struggle with the second part of it too, like the enforcing part of it, because like I there's so few of us at this point. It's like I don't wanna like Notion is where data lives and so if I have to be one copying data over it to it, I will just so we have it. But, you know, I, I don't want to cause the other person to be like lose focus or lose productivity or something like that. So I, I kinda struggle with walking that line a little bit, I think. Sure. No, it, it's a it's a hard line. I like the phrase uh, "unconstrained." What do you say, "unconstrained model"? Yeah, it's kind of how that's kind of how we approach. I think about approaching development these days is like if you're trying to build a system, uh, not having, not trying to like fit it, try not trying to design a pattern up front and then make it fit that, but like basically just write the flattest, you know, just bags of functions, and then like watch a pattern emerge, and then you can sort of like structure it in a way that fits the way the application you know kind of wants to be. It's kind of a cool parallel I just thought of while you were explaining the business processes that it also kind of applies to uh, I don't know building an app. Oh, it totally does. I, I love that Rockwell. I, it, it it's it's unconstrained. You get it done, and then you rework it. Right? You you refactor, you rework it, and you make it into something smoother once you know what the backbone is and. I think that's part of, I don't know, I, I love the startup world. I'm, I'm in the startup world. That's part of the startup lifestyle too is like hurry up and get something done and see what's sticking and then refactor after that and keep going. Unconstrained is a little bit positive spin on just like <laughs> something that like could be messy, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Utter chaos. <laughs> exactly. Excuse me while I butt in to tell you about our second sponsor this week, which is Blue Medora. Now, they're not just the industry's leading monitoring integration as a service, or MIAS for short. They actually invented the term. They have enterprise-grade integration for IT monitoring, and they'll seamlessly stream all your different metrics and logs from all kinds of different sources right into your favorite monitoring platform. Their solution for this is called BindPlane, which will accept metrics from over 150 different technologies, and that can be on-premises or hybrid cloud stacks or even multi-cloud. It'll feed them right into your favorite monitoring tool like Stackdriver, New Relic, Azure Monitor, Wavefront, Datadog, etc., etc. This allows you to see how all the different components of your stack are interacting in real time, and you can draw conclusions and dig down deep between all those different metrics that previously had been siloed off from one another. 
The end result of this is a single pane of glass view into the performance of your entire stack. You don't have to spend a bunch of time configuring all the different monitoring agents, developing your own custom integrations with them, and so forth. It also adds a really dimensionality to your metrics, allowing you to dig down and pinpoint performance issues faster than ever before. Now, it's free to install and upgrade Google Stack Driver with Blue Medora. But if you head over to bluemedora.com compute, they'll give you a $200 credit towards Google Cloud Platform, which can even be combined with Google's free trial credits. Turn your information into insight with Blue Medora. So how does that, how does like Rockwell bringing up patterns, um, how does that work with, with variables? So you guys, like uh, I know enough, like I've asked you enough questions to know that you guys are running on Node. Um, and I sort of asked you this question the other day, but really wanted what I was trying to get at. And this is sort of like things that I'm working at through our own code and design collective is like isolating those patterns. Like, do you, do you consciously think about like, okay, now we're going to go hunting for some patterns that work for us. Is it sort of a, is it sort of more of a, it just sort of happens thing, like an organic type of thing. Um, Do you have sort of a community or even like another organization that you look at, like say Airbnb that they, they publish a lot of information on how they lint things, how they structure things, et cetera. Um, how does, how does that work with, with variable? Sure. That's no, that's good. Um, so there's two parts to, I think what you're asking the first part, like how do how do the patterns come about? And, and for us, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a hybrid. Um, or, or I would, I will answer it two different ways, although they're, connected at the hip to what the market is telling us. Um, even, even down to how we're writing our code is the patterns that the market is telling us as far as how they want to use the product and what they want next. Um, some of that's, hmm. some of that's, you know, conversationally, but some of that, most of it we see through the product. We see through what people are clicking on. We see through what, how people are using the product and where they're getting tripped up. And they're telling us, okay, this is a problem or this thing runs too slow or, man, they would get through this a lot faster if this extra functionality was there. So as far as the, the product, you know, where, where those patterns come from really is, is very closely connected with what the market's telling us. So how are you, how are you learning this information though? So like this is happening too slow, et cetera. Uh, this is a bottleneck. How are you learning this? Sure. Great question. So we have, we have market teams that are boots on the ground in, in each of our, uh, where we are geographically present, um, the markets that we're serving. And uh, so they go, you know, they are very close with ensuring that the businesses are using our product to the, their, you know, maximum optimization and efficiency uh, because it's a, it's a new paradigm. It's a new paradigm for manufacturing. It's a new paradigm for distribution, for the supply chain world. Um, you know, until, until we came around there, there was full-time workers and temp staffing, which is kind of the same thing. Um, so what, you know, what we are is we're not temp staffing. We're not a staffing agency. We're a new way to ramp up and ramp down your workforce based on your demand spikes. So, you know, we are, our people are, you know, ingrained in people's operations and understanding those operations. So in doing so, you know, what comes with that is relationship with those individuals, with the people, the operations people needing uh, labor to come in and help them. And, you know, so the, the relationship aspect, and then they're close enough to get that sort of feedback. Like, 
you know, Hey, wait, you know, you know, you, I see you, you posted an op for, or posted 30 ops for you know, 10 people each or whatever, you know, uh, how was that? How was that for you? And they're like, oh, okay, well, it's good. But you know, at the end of the day, it takes me forever to, to rate all these operators. Okay, cool. Let me take that feedback to back to my uh, tech team. And, you know, we'll see if we can improve that experience. And that's a very simple example, but you know, it could be that, Hey, I'm having an issue. My dashboard isn't loading. And then, you know, the market team person comes back to our tech team, to, to my team and says, Hey, the dashboard's not loading for this client. Can you look at it? That happens enough, you know, and we're like, okay, we got to really fix this dashboard problem. We've got a performance issue. Let's go fix it. So, uh, so sort of organic, again, baked into that market feedback, but we are, we are embedded in these people's um, operation for, for lack of a better word to say it. No, I'm just sitting here imagining most of the time when I hear stuff like that, it's like coming to me directly. <laughs> so there's not, it, yeah, it's, it's so close and it feels so fast and so intense. I, I guess I'm just imagining having boots on the ground. That sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't have the, <laughs> we're so small. We don't have the, the privilege of having a, a marketing team to defend us, but stand between engineering <laughs> and the, and the customer. Uh, <laughs> at least that's how it, that's what it was at, uh, when I was at agile and it was like, uh, different factions and it was, uh, you know, layers of, of access to the engineers. You, you, you never gave out your email or phone number <laughs> if you could help it. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, but, uh, exactly. yeah, I, um, yeah, the best thing that we can do is just gather usage metrics based on actual usage. I mean, with web apps, it's pretty easy to track everything that the user's doing. I mean, not in a creepy way, but in a, in a, you know, useful to the business sort of way. So that's, uh, you know, adding those kind of telemetry and metrics and stuff has been, has been really valuable for us, you know, because we can't have that that access, a physical access, uh, and of course, just taking tickets and not ignoring them is is a big one too. <laughs> sure. Well, there was definitely a time where where we weren't fifty seven people. We were we were six, and in the early market days, we were definitely taking phone calls and going out to manufacturing sites. The the tech team themselves. So I, I definitely relate. Definitely have been in the both both positions. Uh, is there anything? Now that you have some hindsight, right? So your variable's grown. Is there anything that you wish you would have done differently in the beginning or a lesson you wish you would have learned or something you wish you would have known? Hmm. Or I guess on the flip side, is there something that you that you did really well that ended up working out really well? You don't you don't realize this, but Sean's actually a, it's actually a job interview. <laughs> Can you tell us your three your uh, how your weaknesses are actually your strengths? Right. <laughs> I'm sitting here on LinkedIn right now. <laughs> That's awesome. How many ping pong balls can you fit in a, a bathroom or something? <laughs> Some Google Google question. Um, if I could go back, um, I'm a big believer in we are here today and we're as strong as we are today because we went through all of the crap that we went through. So I don't know that I would go back and change it, but I, I, do, I do see some opportunities. Um, I think that uh, for... For us in particular, I think one thing that I learned early on, it was a really hard lesson to work through, was was hire the right people um, and how impactful the wrong team can be to the the equation of success. Um, you know, we had a, a couple of, of really good developers um, that were part of our team that weren't that were not a fit culturally, and uh, I kept them for a lot longer. Um, around than I probably should have for them and for us. Um, you know, tried to figure out ways to make it work or groom them or or grow them. 
And at the end of the day, it just wasn't, there wasn't a right, right fit. So, you know, over the years, we've really focused on team culture and what we look for in a person and, and making sure they know what they're getting into and really trying to tease out some of the some of the things that we're looking for or, or and also kind of weed out some of the people that really just won't work out um, because it can be so toxic for, for team culture. So I think that's something, if I could go back and learn quicker, I certainly would. Um, I think that we are stronger today because of it, but um, I would not wish that the, the, those painful um, times on, on anyone. So yeah, I think that's, that's probably the thing I'd go back and, and, and change. We, we did have to rewrite our backend. Um, and I, I wouldn't go change that because the way that we, the way that we started, we started on a, on a parse framework for our, for our backend. Rest in peace. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's a, which is a four letter word for some people. Um, it was for me at one time, uh, but we used it and, it and it worked great. It got us up and running quickly. And um, you know, it, it, it was what we needed at the time for the team that we had. But quickly, we started having all these dreams of, you know, we can do this in the future and we can do this and we can crunch this data and we can, you know, uh, you know write all these cool data processing things to, to help, you know, uh, people forecast their labor and, and um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we realized, like, we can't do any of this on Parse. This isn't going to work. So, you know, we had to essentially explain to you know my partner and our business counterparts like hey you know we're you can't you know you can't drive a ferrari with a with a civic engine <laughs> you know like like you, you have to you have to switch out the engine before the ferrari performs like a ferrari is supposed to and and so we had to do that and it took a long time and it was it was decently disruptive i would say um there's about a month in february of 2017 that was that was a tough month um, I'm sorry, not February 2017, 2018. And, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that trajectory uh, be, because we went through that. We got up and running faster and we had to really think through what, what we wanted and what we needed and how, what we needed to define for our own, um, our own software and our own way of doing things. And it forced us to do that. Yeah, that's something that that we discuss a lot between ourselves and on the show and just internally is like that that battle of let's just just get it working versus like hey kind of designing stuff for the future and designing for change and making it, you know, a little more uh I don't know future proof is it's just always that battle of, you know, upfront cost in time and money versus versus uh, you know, you may not exist if you spend too much time and money getting it working. So that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of having the, the lean startup mentality, it's yeah, it only, it only can get you so far. And it's something that, that uh, I don't blame you for running into. I feel like everyone struggles with that with, especially if you're constantly churning out uh, new products and new ideas. Absolutely. Get a ready, ready fire aim. And I, it's hard for, uh, I don't know, for, that was hard for me. I think it's hard for a lot of developers that we just want we want to engineer things perfectly. Yeah. I don't want to hear this. I don't need don't call it a, <laughs> hashtag. Don't call it a rewrite, right, Rockwell? <laughs> so uh, there's just one thing. There's one thing that you you mentioned, like hire the right people, and and uh, th- this is like 
I, I'm fine like building this app, working on it, feeling imposter syndrome every day, looking at it and just like it works, you know, people are using it. That's fine. And then I start thinking about hiring the right people. And then I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And then I start feeling, I really like, I really feel intimidated, like thinking about the idea of putting a job listing out there. And, and so I've been lucky to have people around me, like say Rockwell that I can pay to work on stuff. But you know, I'm sort of dreading the moment where Rockwell's not free. The people I know aren't free and I have to go find a stranger and the stranger <laughs> is interviewing me as much as they're, as I'm interviewing them. And that freaks me out. For sure. It's freaky. Um, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, dating or choosing a mate. Like it's, you, <laughs> you're, you're picking, you're picking people that you don't know anything about. And it is, it's convenient when you know you can work with someone like, you know, you guys get to work together or you have friends that work in the industry, but it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit scary. Yeah. To, to pick people, but I, I'd say it gets easier with practice though. And, and, you know, be, allow yourself to be human and maybe make a mistake or two. Um, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, make, make a wrong selection on someone, um, you know, but go through your process and, uh, and, and pick that person, you know, and then it, it, there's another part. I, I'm kind of all over the place here. There's, there's another part to this that is really important is that each, each company's culture is different. Each company, each team structure is different. The needs of the team are different, right? And they change. Um, so, you know, you may start out, you know, saying I need a developer to do this and that's what I, that's what I need them to do. And I don't know anything past that. Hmm. And so you're, you're picking, you're picking a person based on what you need them to do. Well, then as your team grows, you're looking at your team going, okay, you know, this is where we're going as a business. Does our team match that? Is our team culture match that? Okay, well, then we need to change our team culture. Sometimes that teases out some people, you know, like our, our team culture, one of our big sayings at variable is minutes and hours, which means we, we don't operate in days. If something comes up, we act on it. Um, you know, we, we move quickly and we move through, you know, unconstrained, unconstrained models, like I was mentioning earlier. And for some people, that type of team culture is, is not, we're not a fit for, you know? Right. And, and so, you know, when we switched, we sort of got past the initial, hey, I need people to do things, uh, you know, need. And we got to this, okay, I need this. I need to build this team for the long term. And we started defining values and vision. And, and that some of those things tease people out, you know, and, it, and it's, it, it's not anything wrong with them. It's just that's not what they wanted. Um, so I, I think allowing yourself to be human, um, you know, to, to maybe not pick the you know, very, very best developer again, over engineering kind of the, even the hiring process, you know, it's going to change. It's going to shift uh, as your, as your organization, your company shifts as well. That's yeah, that's good. Good advice. Cause I'm, I'm just here to think, have you seen that, that meme of the, the possum in the trash can? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. You haven't seen this? Oh, <laughs> but I want to now. <laughs> I sent to Rockwell all the time. So like when I sent Rockwell the invite to the GitHub repository, I sent him the meme. It's basically a, a possum in a trash can and it's yelling. It's like mouth is open and the caption is like, stay out of my garbage. <laughs> I love so it. I feel, this is how I feel. I feel like and, and the, the meme might be played out by now. I see, I've seen it a lot on Twitter, but that's kind of how I feel. Like this is my garbage. This is this is this is like my house. And take your shoes off before you come in. But also maybe keep your shoes on because the floor is messy. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mentioned, I very briefly mentioned Dev Mountain earlier, and you said, uh, so you're, you're doing like some advising there, uh, and you also mentioned to me in the past that uh, you've worked with some junior developers and stuff. Um, and so an, another question, or I guess I didn't really even ask you my question. I just said that hiring people freaks me out. But my question around that is, like, how do I how do I start this? Like, I can go to LinkedIn and post a job ad, but I, I feel like maybe I need to be networking more. Or so so most of my tech jobs have come from Twitter, and most of the people that I've hired or have been hired by, I've met on Twitter. <laughs> um, so that's all I know is like sliding into the DMs and being like, "Hey, do you need money or have time?" You know, and. Like you said, hiring for the future, and I don't think there's anything wrong with hiring hiring for your friends, but I'm also trying to be conscientious of like maybe the best thing for the company is diversity and people that don't think like me um, have different thoughts and ideas than me uh, because I think that makes a strong team too, right? But I don't necessarily know how to go about doing that. Sure, no, it's 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 hard, and it's it's interesting because uh, there's no there's no exact formula for it. Like you mentioned, like you you've gotten work from Twitter, and that's worked well for you. That 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 might be, that might be your medium. You know, I, I can tell you where it's, what's worked for me. And there's a little bit of organicness, if that's a word to it. Um, but, but like for me, it was networking. The, the opportunities that have lasted, the opportunities that have come to me, the contracts that have come to me, the, the developers that have come to me have been through networking. Um, you know, so, for, for the team that I have at Variable, um, you know, it started out, uh, I hired my first engineer uh, off of AngelList. That's where we posted the first job posting, you know, and, and Angel is, is, is what it is and it's, it's good for a lot of things. And, um, you know, I, I, I've gotten a lot of value out of it, just like I've gotten a lot of value out of LinkedIn. But the, the, the lasting relationship, I think, say, say with Dev Mountain, has come from you know, that first hire. Actually, it's a second hire. Um, the second hire, his name's Andrew Plan. He's actually my my uh, uh, software architect on the team now. He's kind of a, the lead architect over the platform, and he was a Dev Mountain grad, uh, Stanford graduate. Was doing some medical research and decided to change his career. Didn't want to do hmm. uh, research anymore. Went to went started doing coding, and he's awesome. Um, so. So had a success story with Dev Mountain. I said, okay, I'm going to go network with Dev Mountain and see what this is all about. Um, started to do that and then started to meet people. Started to meet the campus director. Started to meet other developers there. Whether I worked with them or not, um, I, I started to you know, talk with them, talk about their projects, talk about if there was any way that I could help them. You know, even if it's not a, hey, I'm going to you know, go, I need to hire you for this role. It's more of like, Hey, you're you're just starting out in this gig. You just totally switched your career around. Um, how can I help you? I've been doing this for a while. How can how can I help you? And I think there's something about there's something about that vibe of just being in the mix with people and being willing to help that it it sort of attracts um, I don't know it attracts people I guess. Um, and I'm not saying that's why I'm doing it. Uh, it's not. There's not some uh, strategic intent there. I, I honestly like helping people, especially in the tech space. But it does it does create that um, networking opportunity, and it it makes people want to help you too. Um, 
so that's kind of where Dev Mountain came in the mix. It was like first hire was from or second hire was from Dev Mountain. Um, got hooked up with their their campus. We're a local startup, um, so you know we we've hired a, a handful. We've hired six engineers from from their program uh, to date, and so you know in networking with them and just wanting to sort of help percolate the uh, the startup scene here in, in Dallas. Um, you just got hooked up and became a local advisor and what the local advisor is, is kind of like a curriculum reviewer um, as a local business owner or a business founder. Like how does this curriculum look for you as uh, someone who's going to hire people? Um, So that's, that's that. But to to your question, Sean, on the hiring part, I think it it depends on what works for you, you know, and that this is what has ended up working for me, you know, after, after a few years when, you know, variable goes, goes public and blows up the stock market or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that'll happen, but, um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're aiming for good things. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And, and whenever, you know, do some, my next project, it may be something totally different, you know, like, like for touch tap is a, is another example. Like touch tap is a fully remote, uh, you know, digital solutions shop. Right. So all of the developers are all over the place. You know, in Canada and the U.S., some overseas, um, a couple that are sort of handpicked that are overseas, and um, I I found all my developers sort of through through networking again, but it was more digital networking, some social networking as far as LinkedIn, some um, hey, do you know a guy for this role through the people that I'm that I'm working with, but it wasn't face to face and it wasn't through any other medium, so it just it just kind of de- depends, and you got to do some trial and error to figure out what works for you. It kind of seems to be the moral of the, the the story, the moral of this episode, trial and error. Yeah, yeah, well, for sure. I got that down. <laughs> got the got the error part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my Sentry channel in Slack uh, clearly is communicating to me that I've got that part down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's yeah, no, it's it's good. I don't know. It's just it's good to be reassured. I reassured, I suppose. I think like that's been that there's been an arc of the entire show of the almost I think this is episode 198. Um, if there's been an, that's amazing, by the way, guys. Good job. Feels weird to think about that, uh, but but if there's like a if there's like an arc uh, for the entire show. It's been like it's it's really just been imposter syndrome and trying to figure it out. I think you guys are doing amazing. I, I love listening to the show, and uh, I love the topics you bring up. Uh, so. I mean, you mentioned like when variable goes public and uh, you blow up the stock market and, you know, you like imagine that you buy the yacht and you, you go around the world and you get bored of the boat and the sea life and you come back. Like what would what, what do you think you would work on? <laughs> That's a good, good question. Um, you know, uh, to disclaimer, I don't know if we're going to go public. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully that's not right. going to become a thing on, on Twitter. Um <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what our strategy is going to be. Um, so I, I just kind of was using that as an example, but you know, say we do, we do sell it and then it's time to move on to another, another project. Um, what would I do next? You know, I, I have done tech for a long time and I think I'll, I'll do tech for a long time. Um, I think there's more, there's more solutions in my fingertips that I, I think that I would I would work on, be a part of. Um, what I've realized about myself is I'm, I'm still growing as a product visionary or an idea guy. I don't know that I believe in myself and my ideas enough to want to go out and build them. 
but I am, I'm an executor. Like I, if I can cling to a vision, hmm. I will make it happen. And so finding, finding people with the ideas that they are just so insanely passionate about um, really gets me jazzed. And I'm like, I'm going to go build that thing. I like, I, I get that. I see it. I'm, I'm going to go build it. Um, so I think, you know, I'll probably, there's probably be some, some networking going on that <laughs> where I, I go talk to some people and then someone has an idea and I'm like, Oh yeah, I see that. Let's go build it. Um, so I don't, I don't know what that idea will be, but I'm open to it. Um, on the other side though, I, I think that, you know, through, through some things, some things from, for me personally, um, you know, I have a fire inside of me and a, and a passion for, um, for what's the way to say, way to say it? Um, telling men the truth and growing men into being men that they were made to be, and also inspiring the next generation of men into truth, into the reality of what's real and what is not, and seeing them succeed in how they were created. Um, I think that, you know, from my own personal, you know, journey, I've, I've battled a lot of uh, shame and a lot of, um, I don't, I don't want to call it depression because people do struggle with real depression and real mental illness, but a, a lot of, a lot of uncertainty um, in, in myself and my life and um, believed a lot of lies about myself. And, you know, to this day, I'm still working through a lot of those, a lot of those things. But I, what I have a passion for now that I see clearly in, in some of those things is I want to make, I, I feel led to, you know, from a higher power, you know, from, from God to, to go out and, and tell the truth about those things. And, and I don't know what that looks like, you know, um, I don't know if that's a tech solution. I don't, I don't think it is. Maybe it will be, maybe there'll be some tech, but. I feel like it's more of a crusade of of sorts, and I don't, I just, I, I don't know yet what that's going to look like. But that's been bubbling up in my belly for, for a long time. Sure, I mean, really, at the root of it, I suppose it's just like helping people, like making the world a better place, right? Helping people, taking care of people, just doing good. Which, which, it, I don't know. That's that's motivating, you know. Uh, I was actually reading, um, a <laughs> hacker news of all places. There was an an article shared this morning, and. Basically, someone was like, "Hey, if I'm looking for for my next gig, if I'm looking for another opportunity, like, and I want to make the world a better place, what should I what should I look into? Should it be energy solutions? Should it be helping the climate? Should it be, um, you know, A, B, and C?" And then people started posting links to all these different places, like scientific research being done, um, uh, you know, just trying to to help the planet become better, more healthy as as a planet, I suppose. And that was really encouraging too. So I. I bookmark that to look at it later but um yeah i that's something i think a lot about too is like you know i i'm working on design collective uh furniture is cool but it's not my life you know uh and what would i you know if there if there's something that comes up like an idea like would you know would i ever pursue that i'm not i don't know but it's i think it's it's sometimes good to think about that stuff like think about the future like that for sure no no doubt i mean you know we I love building tech. I love solution architecture. I think it's it's something that is it comes natural to my brain. Um, but but I want to I don't know. I just I, I want everyone. I want everyone to be enabled to just make a dent in the world and, and in a positive way, you know. And and 
positively impact the people around them. For me, that's, that's at home. That's with my wife. That's with my kids. Um, you know, and that's, that's where it starts and then it spills out from there. And I think if we can all do that from, from, um, from, from our, our circles that we walk in every day, then imagine what the world would be like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I think we're we're sort of wrapping up here, running out of uh, attention span for our listeners. Maybe I think the hour is like the sweet spot for that. <laughs> um, but hey, like appreciate, really appreciate you coming on the show, and and really just like in general, I wanted to say thanks for uh, just answering, you know, being available to answer questions and 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 talking and and having, you know, um, just being available to people like me and and me seeing like where you're at and it's where I want to get to and, and me, you know, firing a question off your bat. Like that's how I got into tech in the first place, you know, asking Paul questions and him answering them. So I wanted to say thanks for just being open, uh, for, you know, just for helping me specifically and, and I'm sure other people as well. So, um, yeah, just, just props for that. Oh, thanks, Sean. I pre- appreciate that. Yeah, I really appreciate the other, uh, just a different perspective from someone who's uh, had a lot more projects under their belt. You know, it's it's easy to see all the successes, but I, you know, it doesn't always. It's not always comfortable to talk about the the failures and things you've done wrong. But uh, I think that's the most valuable stuff. So uh, I always like hearing those lessons from people, and uh, I hope that our listeners might some get some out of it too, because that's I don't know. It's just really valuable. So yeah, thank you. Right on. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. This has been super fun and uh, definitely I'm, I'm always up for talking about the mistakes I've made <laughs> and, and, and what, I've, what I've learned. And, um, and Sean, for sure. Yeah, you're, you're most welcome. I've, I've learned so much just from our interactions and, um, and our conversations, too. So uh, don't feel like it's completely one-sided. It's, it's definitely reciprocal. And I, I learn just as much from helping as I do from, from getting. So Yeah, yeah. This is great, guys. Y'all are doing a great job. Uh, so, so we, we talked about variable touch tap code story and dev mountain. Is there anything, anything else you want to shout out? I suppose, um, you know, like I mentioned code story is a podcast where you talk to CTOs about their journey and, uh, it's really well done. It's like produced really well. Um, I, when I, when I first listened to it, I was like, this sounds like a really professional, uh, setup here. Um, so, so I specifically want to mention like, Hey, um, go check out the code story podcast and uh there's lots of stuff to learn from there there's a lot of people that have been in, in similar situations just kind of like sharing uh advice and experience advice from experience specifically right on appreciate that that shout out it's it's been really fun to make and um check out episode four with sean um <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a great one and it's been really it's been really fun to talk to talk to other builders so yeah code story um, is there anything else you'd want to want to shout out? <laughs> because he will love this. Uh, shout out to uh, to my son Liam has his uh, has a baseball game this weekend in a big tournament in a year tournament. So uh, go Lion Cubs! I'm his coach, and uh, we're gonna go we're gonna go crush the competition. So <laughs> that's awesome. I might actually be doing some jujitsu tournament soon. Nice. I'm starting to get freaked out about that. But anyway, uh, yeah, go. What do you say, Lion Cubs? Lion Cubs was it? Go Lion Cubs. Line cups, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, as as always, uh, listeners, fellow fellow listeners, we love any sort of feedback and appreciate any questions. If you had any questions, comments, anything like that about anything you heard today, uh, we'd love to hear about it. As well as you know, just sharing the show, showing other people, uh, rating us on iTunes, everything everything helps. So uh, we just wanted to say thanks for just being involved with us. As always, you can reach us uh, DNC Show on Twitter. Sean is Sean Washbutt. I am Shrockwell, 
And uh, what's a good place for people to reach you? Are you on Twitter or some other network, Noah? Sure, you can you can check out um, us on Twitter. Code Story underscore is our Twitter handle. Um, if uh, other than that, you can check me out on 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 LinkedIn. Great. As always, we'll post the show notes over on dnc.show and spectrum.chat where uh, you can uh, chat with us and come say hi. And uh, thanks to Spec for having us and uh, for putting us out there in the world. And if you're interested in other design and developer-related shows, you should head on over to spec.fm to see what's gone over there. Um, specifically, they've got design details, they've got fragmented, um, Swift Unwrapped. There's, there's lots of stuff happening, so you should head over to spec.fm and give them a listen. This week's episode was edited by Mikhail Delport and produced by Sarah Jackson. Thanks a lot, Noah. This has been fun. Thanks for having me, guys. This has been a blast. Thanks again to Vettery for sponsoring this week. Set up a profile and get hired by a company that you actually want to work for. Sign up on vettery.com slash does not compute and get a $300 bonus if you accept a job through them. That's awesome. And of course, thanks to Blue Medora as well. Turn your flat metrics into dimensional analysis with the industry's leading monitoring integration as a service. That's at bluemedora.com slash compute for a $200 credit towards Google Cloud Platform. Mm-hmm.